Good morning, all you loving hearts out there, and happy Valentine's Day, and happy Valentine's Day to you too, Rabbit. Yeah, there we go. Another year. Another year, another Amazing. sweet day. Uh, we're not doing sweets today until well, the very end. Well, sort we have, sort of. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I guess vodka and tequila are fairly sweet anyway. Yeah. Well, anyhow, listeners, um, it is on the menu with Anne and Peter Haig, and uh, we're going to start out with um, Haradin Vodka and move on from there to Kat Hantis's 21 Seeds Tequila. And then, for the sweet part, we have Real Treat. Let's start at the beginning, then, with Bridget Taylor and Haridan Vodka. <laughs> so, there, I just said before, before, before we started the recorder, Bridget's wired. <laughs> Bridget Taylor is who he means, <laughs> who is the founder and president of, 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 um, of Haridan Vodka. And she's going to talk to us about it. I at first thought that Haridan was a family name, but then I realized it wasn't when I looked at your website. Tell us about why you named this company Haridan. Yeah, so um, first off, thank you so much, Ann and Peter, for having me on the show. I'm so excited to be here. And yes, the name of the vodka is Haridan Vodka, and Haridan is this little-known old word that means an angry, belligerent woman. And the reason that I chose it was, you know, A, I wanted to, the the name to be something that it wasn't a common word. It wasn't it wasn't a word that people were necessarily familiar with. So, and to your point, it could kind of be mixed up with a family name. Yeah. Um, but then, so... You know, A, having some ownership over whatever word that I chose. And then B, I wanted that word to mean something to me personally. So what Harrison means to me personally, in addition to being at times an angry, belligerent woman myself, um, it also is kind of a nod to how there really aren't that many female brand owners in the alcohol space and specifically in the vodka space. So when I was kind of looking at different words that denoted, you know, female empowerment and, you know, being a, you know, amazing lady boss, um, Harriden was a word that kind of kept popping up again and again in my searches. And the last thing I'll <laughs> say about it, the more I kind of – the more I thought about it, I mean, when you when you look up Herod in the definition, it really has all these negative connotations of uh-huh. being bossy and strict. But the more I thought about it, I was kind of like, Herodans of history were probably the ladies who got things done. You know, thinking yeah. of the women's <laughs> suffrage movement, those are like yeah, each like and every she, woman there was probably a Herodan. So I got jo- very Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc certainly would have been a Herodan, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so now, so, so yeah, we, we know it. about the name. Now, how did you come to be involved with a, a vodka company? No, everybody does that. They get up in the morning and say, I, I guess what I'm going to do. I'm going to make vodka today. And no, 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 yet I'm going to give it a silly name. <laughs> I'm, Peter, you're not that far off. Uh, well. <laughs> so, so, what, so, so what happened? So um, like many of, I'm sure you both and many of your listeners, during the pandemic when nothing was open and we were all kind of trying to find stuff to do to occupy our time since we couldn't (laughs) go to restaurants, um, I got really into mixology and I was making all of like the craziest cocktail recipes I could find on Instagram (laughs) and as I'm buying all this booze to make the different cocktails, I notice all of these incredible brands in tequila and in gin and in whiskey, and I felt like there was so much brand innovation and interesting storytelling that was happening in those spirits. And then when I came to the vodka space, it kind of seemed like the only real options I had without going super, super crafty were kind of the same three or four incumbent brands. And there just didn't seem 
like there was that much innovation and it kind of seemed a little bit like a loser category in the spirits. Like everyone was focused elsewhere. And then the more I started to, you know, Google and research different vodka brands, I also started to notice, I was like, wow, there really haven't been that many female entrepreneurs in the vodka space of the women that are in the spirits category, um, more and more cropping up in tequila and in bourbon and, you know, still not enough, but like there's rising numbers and it's going in the right direction. But in <laughs> vodka, it just seemed a little bit more empty. So uh, all of those things combined. Oh, yes. Yeah. Go ahead, Peter. Were you, a bar- were you a bartender by trade? No, I was not. I became a pandemic bartender for myself and the people who lived with me in my house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, then to your point, I woke up one day and was like, huh, you know, I should, I could start this. And I was in, um, I was in graduate school at the time and I just graduated. What were you studying just in passing? What were you studying in graduate school? I was getting my MBA, so my master's in business administration. Okay. And I – oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. You you should call Fred Smith of Federal Express and say, hey, hey, Fred, my story is a lot like yours. (laughs) Really? Oh, my God, maybe I I will. He, he He was at the Harvard Business School, Fred Smith, that is. And uh, he, for a class project of some kind, he invented Federal Express and submitted oh it as, as, as his thesis. And guess what? His tutor turned it down. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> right. That, that, that's a silly idea. That'll never work. <laughs> that makes me feel better because I feel like I mentioned Harridan to a couple of my professors and they were kind of like, good luck, eye roll. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> With a smile on their face, right? Now, yeah, now, exactly. Now, now, now you, you, you went for design in the container. Talk to us a little bit about mm-hmm. that and, th- and, and then we'll move on and talk about the hooch itself. Yeah, well, I, I, I um, wanted to... Um... Oh, go ahead, love. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to, to get around to talking about the, what on her website they call their creed, but you go ahead and deal with the bottle. <laughs> well, the bottle was definitely a headache, so it's something to deal with, that's for sure. Uh, so in the U.S., or to start, I wanted a very specific bottle type. I wanted a bottle that I don't really have a – scientific name for it, but it had little bubbles in the glass. And if you go around asking any U.S. bottle manufacturer for glass with little bubbles in it, they'll tell you that they don't make that type of glass because it's unstable It's unstable, and it's really hard to produce at scale. Uh, so oh. kind of, I didn't I really didn't want to give up on this, on kind of what I had envisioned for Harridan. So then I started to Google in Spanish uh, because a lot of very incredible glass artisans are in Mexico. I started to Google in Spanish for glass artisans, and I came upon this little factory that's right outside of Mexico City that makes hand-blown bottles from recycled glass. And I reached out to them. They were immediately responsive, and now they're the supplier for all of our for all of our glass bottles, and each one is completely blown and made by hand, and so it's a really cool process to see. Well, that's, I mean, that's great, the, the, um, recycling the whole thing. I mean, you, you have, this again brings us to this creed, you have a lot of, um, what can we call them, um, uh, beyond just, product and monetary goals when you're talking about your creed. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. What really inspired the creed was this idea that, you know, we're in such a turning point in the social justice movement in the United States, and it's such a time to really move in the direction of real change and not rest on your laurels. And we didn't want it to be a company that had 
that type of action as an afterthought. We didn't want to be like, okay, let's just race to get established. And then once we're established, we'll start thinking about diversity and inclusion. We wanted to have it as a stated goal from the outset. So as we're expanding the company and as we're looking to fill roles, we we want that to be at, at the top of mind constantly. Um, and so when you see our values that, you know, saying first off we're feminist, then we're inclusive, and then we're concerned about collective well-being, we wanted to tackle you know, three things as it states, but, you know, feminist, so addressing that there aren't that many women in the, in the alcohol industry, being, being fiercely inclusive, so in addition to, you know, supporting women and correcting the gender imbalance in the industry, also correcting the racial and other, you know, sexual orientation imbalance that's not just in alcohol but is in really every industry. And then third, yeah, also caring about the planet and, you know, the idea that climate change is real, it is urgent, and doing whatever we can to make sure that we're, we're part of the solution and not part of the problem. Now, why did, why did you decide that there would be an examination required in order to be successful with using the vodka? So you copied the – well, I won't say copied – but you, you, there's some similarity between the, the stopper on Harridan and the stopper on Maker's Mark Bourbon. Oh, is there? Yes. <laughs> I didn't know that. I mean, Peter's a bourbon person. I don't, I don't know. I don't know whether I don't know whether Bridget knew that anyway. If you're a vodka drinker, I did. You, not, you did know that. Oh, I. So I you deliberately I made it like that. <laughs> so well, there's, yeah, a, there's a little class. There's, there's a yeah, class. So we'll, class, one, class 101 is how to open the bottle. Yes, yes. And we sent you a little, or I hope I, we should have sent you a little card, did we? Oh, yeah. How to open it? Yeah, I we it, have I that. It, I got it in one without the, without the card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the little, well, Harriton, it's a fun hodgepodge of all of my or brands that I admire in the alcohol space. The bottles and not to Patron, I, they're, I think their bottle's incredible, and it was one of the inspirations behind the brand, as was High West. So High West is a very similar glass style, so those two combined inspired the bubble glass. And then I have so much respect for Maker's Mark and the brands that they were able to create, and the idea that even with all their scale, they still hand dip all of their black wops all of their bottles, excuse me, um, which is pretty incredible. And so, yes, it was definitely inspired by Maker's Mark. However, a bit of a differentiation um, from Harridan is we, we wanted to make something that if you closed your eyes and imagined what an alcohol bottle might look like 200 years ago, that's kind of what we were going for. We didn't want to have oh, any yeah, plastic. Okay. We didn't have we didn't want to have any extra little tabs or anything. We really wanted to make it feel like it was out of an apothecary or something like that. Oh, really? What well, does? There's there's another interesting connection here, if you like, between Maker's Mark and Harridan, because and I don't know if you, you knew this. Several so Maker's Mark has always been proud of the fact that it was 86 proof, and then they decided to change that, and they went to 80 proof. And all their faithful drinkers were up in arms. <laughs> I, I, won't, I, won't say that, I won't say they thought it was like that, that new Coke, which was such a Just fabulous after. failure. But <laughs> yeah. the, the, the wonderful thing is, so Maker's Mark went back to 86 proof. Now, guess what proof Harridan Vodka is? It's one better. Go ahead. It's 88 proof. Yep. So we... <laughs> And you said in this little card, it's just to make it more fun. (laughs) Yep, exactly. (laughs) I also think it makes it taste better, too. (laughs) I have one one other thought to you about about glass. And and it it probably doesn't fit, but it's amusing anyway. We ran across a supplier of wine glasses like, who's the the German company? Radl, Radl. Radl, okay, well, this company called Esch, Esch. somehow or other, found a way of making glass which lets the air through. 
I don't believe that. Really? We were not sure we believed it, but we did drink all the, all the, we did drink all the vodka. And we and we drank all the wine. Maybe oh, it's called it's called it's called it's called breathable glass. Breathable glass. Ooh. And we, and we have breathable we have breathable glass, sake glasses. We have breathable glass. Oh, that's right. You use that all we, the time. Yeah, we have a, we have a we have a set of champagne breathable glasses. Yes. Well, so you, wow. you always came to the right you came to the right place for. Yeah, <laughs> we love that. Yeah. Stuff. Oh now, yeah, I just googled it. Wow. What what about um the the vodka itself? Yeah, let's talk about what? that. <laughs> the hooch. <laughs> yeah. Um what? Yeah, I I can give you some background on how we please, got to the please. recipe. Where is uh, it made, by the way? It's made in upstate New York in the Finger Lakes area in Ovid, okay. New York. Um, and it's made by a distillery that's called Myers Farm Distillery. And I always mm. like to give them a shout-out because they make incredible stuff. Um, mm. And so the recipe was a bit of a journey. Uh, so when I started really working on Herodin in April of, of 2020, I initially was working with a different distillery. And I, no matter what, wanted the ingredients to be grown in New York, and I wanted – the liquid to be distilled in New York just because it's where it's home for me and it's a place that's important. And the initial distillery I was working with, I just couldn't get there with them on the samples. It was every sample I tried, I, I didn't really like it, and it kind of it either tasted like the other vodkas or it didn't taste like the vodkas in a bad way. And so I was kind of like, ugh, I, I think I need to start from square one. So then in July, I wound up shifting distilleries and I uh, just started Googling distilleries in New York, and I came across this very small family-owned farm-to-flask operation called Meyer Farm Distillers, and they didn't take on contract clients, but I reached out to them, and I was like, I know you don't take on contract clients, but I just really respect what you're doing. Would you ever take a meeting with me? And he did, and we just had – it was such a partnership from the beginning. I think a lot of contract distillers, they kind of dismiss you, and you're like, you either take our vodka or you don't, and if you don't like it, then see ya. Mm -hmm. um, and Joe, the, the master distiller from the beginning, was like, okay, I see what you're trying to do. Let's make something special. And we got to 88 proof kind of by accident. He, we distilled a, a bunch of different variations of organic corn vodka, and the one that when we did blind taste tests that we both of us and all of our friends and family that we forced to also do a blind taste test with us, oh. um, everyone voted for the 88 proof and it just was unanimous. And so to the point about it's just more fun, it doesn't really hold any other meaning other than it tastes better and it just, <laughs> you know, makes a more fun, strong drink. <laughs> sure. And, and, the, and, the, and the base material is corn. Sweet corn. Organic corn, yep. Is, is there anybody else who, out there who's making vodka with corn? I, I've never heard yeah. of it. It's, well. it's actually more common than you might think. Um, oh, Tito's, okay. yeah, Tito's makes theirs with corn, so oh, they're, okay. they're the most okay. well-known, yeah. So, so, if, so if, we, if we said if you're bored with Tito's, try Harridan, that would be a good comparison? I I think so, and <laughs> one of the ways we're, yeah, yeah, you know, that's a perfect way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> now, how how old is this company? When did it fairly new? Very new. We just launched in December, actually. Um, so we've been on shelves for a little over a month, and it's going really oh, well. Wow. It's going a lot better than what we expected. So we're we're really excited. But, oh, but the big, great. but the, the the big thing was that, aside from the work you did on the design of the bottle, was the help that you got from the distiller. Yes, exactly. And I, it wouldn't be as delicious or really have a good story behind it without Joe Meyer from from the distillery. He's amazing. I'm gonna I'm gonna toast Joe before dinner. 
<laughs> oh, you should. You should. Miss N will do the same thing. Yeah, you know, um, of course, I'm a vodka person, anyhow. Um, but I used to be a Scotch person. Now it seems very strong to me, Scotch. But um, I was going to say that we've been trying to highlight um, female spirits and winemakers um, and uh, businesses in general um, for the reasons you were mentioning. And uh, I think you're going to be amazed at how many women are getting into this kind of field now. Um, You know, it's, it's, it's happening in all kinds of vintners and, uh, also, um, in um, oh, just spirits writers, and uh, I mean, it's it's really hitting home, and and I think that, um, that there's a long way to go still. I mean, obviously, but I yeah. really applaud you for, for taking up this cause, and, and also the inclusive. I mean, we've seen lately just how horrible. Um, the result is of not being inclusive, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I I couldn't agree more. And also, just the companies that are now in a position of scrambling to be like, wow, we were just called out for this, and we need to correct it ASAP. But a lot of times, the damage the damage is already done, and customers have lost faith in them. And we just it was just something that was important to us naturally. So we were like, why not make it a pillar in our company strategy. That's great. Now, since, since December, how, how, many pla- how many places are carrying Harridan? <laughs> must, so, must have been an uphill climb. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and kind of, it's interesting. There are so many awesome women that are really pioneering in the spirits industry, but it is, it is so hard to get in a dang liquor store oh my gosh like it just oh yeah it's terrible yeah and I feel like you know you I will walk in and I'll be like I'm looking at your shelf and not a single one of your brands is female owned like how about taking a shot on Herodam it's you know supporting women is a is the foundation of our company and the answer that you usually get is like we have enough vodka it's like go away <laughs> oh, uh, nice. <laughs> So it's it's been humble. Well, you know, you, you'll be picked up. You'll be picked up by uh, one of the the um, big magazines or um, your drinks uh, periodicals, and and you'll have it made. I mean, it's, everybody loves something new, so you're you're really in good shape with that. Yeah, um, yeah we, new we, and different. Yes, no, but we've you, interviewed companies where they just started out. And the next thing we know is uh, they're in every publication around. It's just amazing. But, it, but if you want to get some hair done right now, yeah, you, you, you go on the Internet? Yes, yeah, so you can go. We're in seven stores in New York City, um, okay. and one of them called Convive Wines. They do nationwide shipping, and then you can also order on our website as well. Um, and so our website distributes to 30 states, and there's 20 states, unfortunately, that their alcohol laws prohibit us from sending. Well, that like Pennsylvania. <laughs> no, Pennsylvania, you're set. Pennsylvania, you're good. That was uh, we. I looked that up before I hopped on the call to make sure you're Pennsylvania. You guys and your Pennsylvania listeners. And it was It wasn't. But I know you have an internet. It wasn't. Place. It wasn't for a thousand years. <laughs> I can assure you. Yeah. That's for sure. So, you know, um, uh, if you'll stay on the line a little bit after we go, I'd like to get your, um, I don't have a backup number or an email address for you. Oh, yes, absolutely. I would love to provide that. Great. Great. Well, Well, I wish you um, much, much success, Bridget Taylor. And uh, spelling the, for the people going on the website, it's, H A R R I D A N vodka dot com, right? Um, it's actually just Herodin dot com. Spelled oh, exactly Herodin. like you okay. just said. Yeah. Listeners, okay. you got you gotta get you gotta get some, put it on put it on the shelf of your bar at home. Make sure your local leak liquid establishment has it on the counter 
or back of the bar or wherever you keep those kinds of things. And do, you, do, do yourself a favor and drink it slowly. Yes. <laughs> Yes. We're so glad you shared the story of Harden with us today on the Menu Radio. Thank you so much for your contribution. Since it's Valentine's Day, we'll move right on into the next interview, which is another new face and another new taste. It's 21 Seeds Tequila, and we're going to be talking to Kat Hantis, the very energetic young founder. Well, it was very complicated, but we finally caught up with Kat Hansis. And Kat is um, the uh, partner, co-founder, I guess it is, of um, a tequila company called 21 Seeds, which uh, Peter's been enjoying enormously, I might add, Kat. Welcome to On the Menu. <laughs> it is a pleasure, a pleasure to be here, and uh, no thing... Few words make me happier than what you just said. People enjoy someone's seeds. So glad to be You have a partner too, right? I mean, in the I business. I sure do. Yeah, yeah actually, I have two. I have, I have two other co-founders, and that actually uh, is part of why the company is called Twenty One Seeds. It's actually two one seeds, and uh, but you know, for short, Twenty One Seeds. And uh, the two is myself and my sister Nicole. And oh, the right. one, yeah, the one is our girlfriend, uh, Sarika. So three female founders in total. Yeah, well, I think that, that, that I wanted to talk to you about that because it's, uh, it's, it's rare, but we've located several female founders in, of, of uh, tequila brands, which is really, I mean, anything in the spirits or wine industry is just amazing to me that we could find uh, women in, at the helm. So I congratulate you on that, and, uh, and also on your product. Um, I'm interested in the, the, the backstory, how you and your sister decided to go, and you had previous jobs, didn't you? We sure did, and actually, uh, you know, as women tend to do, we multitask quite well, right? And my sister yeah. still has uh, two jobs in addition to being a mom, <laughs> um, so technically three jobs. Right. Um, but, you know, we all wear many hats. But, yes, we, we came from other industries um, completely outside the spirits industry. The three of us, none of us have um, spirits experience or even, you know, um, beverage alcohol experience. I came from the movie industry. Um, my sister, Nicole, came from the online media space. Um, and Sarika, Sarika, our third founder, she actually – um, does come from the food world, um, but not from the beverage world. So um, she she's, she brings, you know, uh, concepts from idea to the shelf in the food space with her prior job. So when we were looking to do, an you know, an all-natural, actually infused tequila, um, I actually went to her because, you know, she works in food, and this was sort of a marriage of the two. So thought it would be a great place to start, and then she fell in love with the idea and, and said, you know, yeah. Well, that's encouraging. <laughs> okay, Kat, uh, start with uh, your story about you used to be a wine drinker. Okay, so here goes again. This time I'm going to look at my phone make sure that it's green and nothing gets disconnected. That's so sad. Um, <laughs> all right, so... <laughs> um, so yeah, so so really, this whole story begins uh, now nine years ago. Um, I I was a wine drinker. I used to be a wine drinker. I very happily would enjoy a glass of white wine or rosé or two um, every night. One with dinner, uh, you know, while I was making dinner, and one after dinner. Um, and about three years ago, um, actually, sorry. So about nine years ago. Um, I started to just not feel so great. And um, I didn't know what it was. I went to my doctor. I was sort of having sweats and headaches. And he looked at what I was, um, you know, he did some tests and everything was fine. And then he looked at what I was eating and drinking. And he was sort of like, ah, there's the culprit. And he's, he, he said, you know, listen, I want you to move away from fermented spirits. So no more wine, beer, champagne, move away from fermented and move oh. over to distilled. I and thought everything was fermented. No. 
So everything, you know, all, all distilled spirits, they start off fermented, and then you take that fermented spirit, right? You take that fermented juice, and you boil it when you distill, right? Mm-hmm. And you boil it, oh, you and the alcohol it. burns off first, and then you cool that alcohol, and it condenses, and then that is the hard spirit, right? Like that's the vodka, that's the tequila, that's the, the rum. Uh-huh. Okay. So, so when that happens you get rid of any organic, like, living matter that was in the liquid, right? And which is not the case with fermented. That stuff is still in the liquid. So he's like, if you want to drink cleaner, move over to, and he recommended Blanco tequila. And he very specifically wanted me to stick to a Blanco tequila because, again, I was looking to drink cleaner. And uh, he said, don't drink an aged tequila, because while it does impart those great flavors of, you know, orange, vanilla, you know, caramels, those kinds of things that are in the, in the wood, there's also things trapped in the wood called congeners, like chemicals from making the barrels and things, that can also leach in, and those are headache causers. So don't do anything that's brown that's been aged. So he recommended stick to a distilled, you know, to a Blanco tequila. And I was like, okay, I sort of was hoping he was wrong, because I love drinking wine, you know, and I loved even yeah. the ritual of it. I loved holding a wine glass. And mm-hmm. I went home and thought, okay, let me just try this. Um, and within three days of, of not drinking wine, I felt 100% better. All of the symptoms I had went away. The, the sweat stopped. All of it stopped. And then I was sort of left with this Blanco tequila and thinking, what am I going to do to this Blanco to make it, A, not harsh, not remind me of college days, I don't want it even to smell like tequila. I want it to smell like something delicious and fresh, like, you know, um, like my wine smelled. And I want it to be lighter and, and very drinkable. And I need to, it's something I can enjoy every night. So I love to cook. And I thought, all right, let me just throw some stuff in this and see if I can infuse it with some fresh fruits and, and things and see if I can change the, the flavor and sort of smooth it out. And sure enough, it really did the job. It completely transformed the tequila and you know it was still tequila but it was really smooth it got rid of that harshness of tequila the regular blanco right super smooth but not sweet right like i think a lot yeah i I was i was convinced i was gonna like this your your infused tequila because i don't like anything sweet but it's not you're right you know i have deja vu here um, Rabbit, isn't this the story of Tavi Tequila? Yes. Do you know, I forget his name, the, the, his name is Tavi, right? Yes. Do you know Tavi Tequila, Kat? I don't, uh-uh, no. But this is his story, that oh, he became he became unable to tolerate uh, anything impure in the, and he couldn't find anything that was not impure, so he made mm. it himself. It's Tavi oh, Tequila. Yeah, I'll check it out for sure. Yeah, no, it's not, I will no, check it's it out. Not, it's, but not, yeah. it's not infused with, it's not in, it's, just, it's tequila, 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 whereas you went for this infused space. Is there anyone else in that space, Kent? No, um, so there are no other infused tequilas on okay, the market. Um, I think, and to your point, um, there are flavored, there are some flavored tequilas on the market, but to your point, they are exactly what you and I don't like, which is the sweet, you know, almost this weird aftertaste like you're sucking on a nickel and kind of smell like Jolly Ranchers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> got it. Yeah. So, 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 what, so, so, so what have you got? You've got a so we spicy have the three one. Infusions. Yeah, so yeah, we have go, a cucumber jalapeno. No problem. So we have the cucumber jalapeno, the Valencia orange, and the grapefruit hibiscus. And, um, and yeah, I mean, back to just sort of how we ended up making it into a business is for years, you know, for eight years, I would just make this infused tequila at home, and I oh, would no. drink it every night. You know, like I would just drink it myself. With I'd even put it in a <laughs> wine glass. I would serve it in a wine glass oh, with no. soda. And a slice of orange, and that was my. That's how I'd finish my night every night. And um, and but over the course of those eight years, I noticed a lot of my girlfriends 
who were also switching very specifically from champagne and wine over to tequila. They were looking to drink lower carb, less sugar, had wanted to get rid of headaches, things like that, same symptoms. They were coming over and they were either asking me to make them bottles of, you know, 20, like what is now 21C is my infused tequila. Or if we were out at a bar or restaurant and they couldn't get, you know, I was, I was not making it then at that point as a business. So they would just order a Blanco tequila and then just squeeze a bunch of fresh lime juice into it and add club soda again to not, to cut that harshness and, and, and that bite of, of regular tequila and smooth it out and make it like a spritz. So, I noticed this trend going on, and yet when I went into the tequila aisle, there was nothing there that was sort of speaking to, you know, how friends of mine, people I knew, folks who were enjoying my tequila that I was making, there was nothing like that. There was a bunch of Blancos, Reposados, and Anejos, many new ones that had come on the market, but they were all really like being positioned like scotches and whiskeys that you sort of sip, you know, and Mm -hmm. very much into like the aging stories of them and all of that which is great, but nothing really addressing how I was drinking it, how this sort of wellness, um, you know, drinker wanted to be drinking tequila and was very much looking looking for that type of a tequila but just didn't exist. So that's what then prompted us to actually bring it to market and create it. So it took okay. a lot, you know, we were doing this on our own for many years before we even thought to make it into a business. Okay. Where do you source your do you source your tequila in yeah. Mexico? We sure do. Everything uh the entire product is made in Mexico and we oh, okay. import finished bottles. Yeah. So we have a distillery in Mexico. It's actually in the town of tequila. You know, as you, you guys um there's a town of tequila. Some some right, folks right. your listeners might not all know this, but there's an area of um of in, in Guadalajara called Jalisco, which is where right. all tequila yeah. comes from, right? And within Jalisco, there is actually a town of tequila, and it's actually a very charming little town. And once, you know, COVID is over and we can all travel freely again, it's really worth a visit. It's a darling little town, um, and there's a lot of history there. And the, actually, the, um, the, um, the Jose Cuervo family is, is down there and has, uh-huh, uh, a, yeah. Yeah, and has a gorgeous family uh, gardens are down there. It's really beautiful. Um, and so our distillery is there and actually what's interesting about our distillery is it is also owned by a woman and predominantly staffed by women. And, and oh, again, great. those are very few and far between. Yeah. And she's great because she really wants to bring more women into the industry. As you might imagine, it is a very male dominated industry, the, oh, the tequila industry. Yeah. Yes. And so, um, what she does is in order to be able to, employ so many women, you know, it's important for them to, they can't really afford childcare outside of, of working. So she makes sure to have their hours coincide with the hours of their children being in school. Oh, that's so that wonderful. Can, it's, yeah, it's really amazing so that they can leave the job and go pick up their kids and still be with their kids after school. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to afford to do the job. So we were floored. When we went down to visit, we chose... Uh, her as one of the distilleries we wanted to visit, not knowing actually that it was owned by a woman and not knowing any of this story of, of her employees. And on this, on the journey to find the distillery partner uh, for us, we visited a number of distilleries. Now hers was our, our first choice, but you know, you never know. You, you always have to have a backup in case yeah. they don't want you, right? Cause they got to want you as much as you want them. So, um, when we when we went to the actual distillery, you know, we chose it because it was the smoothest possible Blanco. And actually, she has won more awards uh, than any other distillery in Mexico. So she's, she's quite, quite good at making tequila. Um, but we chose it. It was the smoothest possible Blanco. That's what we were looking for. And when we went there to do the tour, you know, every everybody we encountered was a woman. It was like the, the, there was Beatrice who gave us a tour of the facility and everywhere we looked, there were women on the lines. And we, we said to her, cause this was not like the other distilleries. And we said, you know, what's, what's going on here? And then that's when she said, Oh yeah, well, Celia, our owner, you know, is very much. And she told us the story that I just conveyed to you all. And we were, we were floored because here we were three female founders 
very much outsiders, right, because we yeah. A, did not come from spirits. B, we were looking to really innovate in a traditional category, right? Tequila is a very traditional spirit that is made, you know, in a traditional way governed by, you know, the CRT and it and, and has a designation of origin like cognac and, and champagne, right? So here we were looking to sort of do something different and then um, – and, and in a very male-dominated industry here in the U.S., yeah. the spirits industry, right? So to encounter Celia and this distillery was really, I think, a bit of luck. And we were so fortunate because she, she saw a lot of herself in us. And I think oh, that's, that's why she really – and she said that to us. And that was why she really took this on because – we had to do a lot of stuff at the distillery in order to be able to infuse. You know, they didn't have the equipment in place. They didn't have yeah, the Yeah, how did you figure that out, this infusion? Yeah, so, yeah, so basically... Um, I mean, it tastes know, fresh. The thing that's so yeah. unusual is it, it doesn't taste um, a chemical or anything like that. Yep. And that was really where Sarika and her food background came into play. So that was our third founder, right, is Sarika. And I went to her and I said, look, here's what exists in the industry, right? Like you can go to any other category, vodka, whiskey. You know, you go to whiskey and you taste the flavored whiskeys. They're so sugary. It's like eating a chocolate bar, you know. And I said, you know what I mean? And I said, I don't want to do that. Is that the only way to do this? You know, because my friends were like, you should make this. You should make this. We would buy this, you know. And I, and I <laughs> said to her, I'm like, how do we do what I'm doing in my kitchen, right, and be able to keep that level of quality and freshness and all of that? How do we do that, you know, at scale commercially? And it was really her ingenuity and that, that um, she was able to, figure it out for us um, in order to do it at scale. And, um, it, and again, it, it just – but it required our partner down in Mexico letting us as an unproven brand, right, brand-new mm-hmm. brand, and as, as three unproven girls in, in booze, right, <laughs> she kind of had to take this giant leap of faith. Like she, te- she tasted what we were making, and she's like, okay, I'm all in. But then we were like, okay, great. Now we're going to need to take this section of your distillery and we're going to need to put some equipment into place and we're really going to need you to trust us and we're going to need you to oversee construction and do a bunch of stuff because we don't live down here and uh, what do you say? <laughs> well, you're pretty and, confident, you, you, the trio of you. <laughs> well, good role model, <laughs> Kath. But the good news was is she really saw in us herself and she said uh-huh. that to us. She said, you girls, you remind me of myself when I was your age. And she oh. has been an incredible partner and really not just a partner but a mentor. She's taught us so much. You know, she's, she's warned us about stuff. You know, she's like, okay, now you're going out to the business side of it, of booze, uh-huh. and this I'm, is what I'm you got to be careful of. I'm worried here, sweetheart. I'm, Kat, I'm, wor- I'm worried about reverse discrimination. <laughs> <laughs> you worried about reverse discrimination? <laughs> that would be a first, right? <laughs> well, I, love it. I guess it's, it's a wonderful story. I really enjoyed the story and, and really enjoy the, there's a cleanness about the drink that's just wonderful. And it's, as you said, it's, it's to our taste, not this cloying stuff. So you really accomplished something. Now, um, do you sell it from your website or what do you do? Yeah, so um, we launched in California in uh, 2019, so uh, like a, uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, and then obviously 2020 COVID hit. But that said, um, we our first customer was actually a big na- uh, statewide chain called BevMo. So BevMo actually bought our entire first run of the product, and they put it into 147 stores in California, and they took all three infusions. And so that was like a kind of a surprise to us because, you know, again, being from the outside, I think we got lucky in that we were able to present the brand, and they were able to taste it within the window that they choose items to put on shelf. So. Right. But that 
from there, the sales started to go because I think we really hit a nerve. Like there really was nothing like it in the marketplace. So people started to find the product and buy the product. And very quickly, we've expanded. And now, like come um, the, the, as we speak, we're rolling out into so many chains. Uh, so from Whole Foods, where we'll be in 16 states and all the Whole Foods in 16 states, um, we're going to be in all the Walmarts in 18 states. We're going to be in the all the Targets in eight states. Um, we're in Safeway. We're in you know Albertsons, Vons, Pavilions. We are. Pat, in you're you're an absolute <laughs> phenom, a tornado. <laughs> Why don't you give our listeners before we close this uh, your website? Okay, so our website is 21seeds.com, which is the number 21, and then S E E D S with an S at the end, like you plant in the ground, 21 seeds. And uh, you can hear more about our story, get cocktail recipes, which we didn't even get to talk about, which I'm obsessed with, making cocktails a little cleaner, a little lighter, with zero sacrifice on taste. That's my whole theory behind cocktails. Well, um, I'm with you. <laughs> Let's do it so we can drink longer and have dessert. <laughs> I want to be able to have my cocktail and have extra calories left for dessert. You know? <laughs> oh so. dear cat this has been a real pleasure <laughs> it took a while getting us organized but now that we can talk to you that's great so um it. keep in touch keep uh, keep us up to date and on your expanding i'm sure you'll expand the uh infusions and your market and and we want to know about it so keep our, our email and our contact information and uh I would love that. I would love to do it and circle back. We'll have to do a where are we now in a year from now. That'd you know, be fine. Domination. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's we're do we're it. open for it. <laughs> I love oh, it. After 2021 is over, right? We'll go into 2020. Exactly. Where we're at. Exactly. That sounds like a plan. I love it. Date me. Okay. I accept. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. And uh, I'll, my I'll, I'll be waiting. I won't forget that you're going to get back to us. Oh, my pleasure. I'm looking forward to it with many, many bigger things to tell you about. Okay. Thanks, Kat. (laughs) Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. And now, well, we didn't have any chocolates on Valentine's Day, which is surprising. Um, but we have cookies is, and very some, good cookies. There's some chocolates hiding for next week. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Uh, Jacqueline Day of Canada is uh, going to be talking to us about her very wonderful cookies. And, uh, well, she'll just tell us about them. I sat down and ate five of the grown-up ones. Yeah, welcome Jacqueline Day. We've been enjoying your cookies. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to hear it. And I yeah, uh, thank well, you for having me on. Well, we wanted to know more about Real Treats, your company. Oh, well, thank hold, you. Hold on, um, hold, on, hold on a second. I want to, we have, we have to take issue with Jackie because we've been eating her cookies so fast. A man <laughs> who does not like sweet things at all. Admitted that the other evening before she went to bed, she, she consumed five. I ate five. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even well, have terrific. a sweet tooth. <laughs> well, but, you know, I'm, your, your grown-up ones aren't necessarily that sweet. I mean, they're really tasty, you know, and getting all the, sub, the subtle flavors. But let's talk, let's go back to, I asked you how long you've been making cookies uh, just before mm-hmm. we started recording here. And you said... Tell us. Well, the truth is I've been making cookies for as well since I could reach a countertop standing on phone books. Do you remember what those were? Isn't <laughs> <laughs> um, it funny? There aren't any. <laughs> that's really funny. No. So uh, thankfully I had those around when I was a kiddo because that's, that's really when it all started was making cookies in my grandma's kitchen. And um, I love I love cookies. I come from a family, a, a distinguished line of cookie monsters, we all love cookies in my family, and um, and so really that 
that love of cookies that was always there, but also uh, part of my own personal set of values is uh, very much rooted in a support of organic agriculture. I Mm -hmm. firmly believe that supporting organic agriculture is really one of the best ways that we can uh, help to support healthy ecosystems, healthy farm workers, um, also supporting our own immune systems in the process. And I noticed that um, in the realm of treats, not just cookies, but other kinds of treats as well, that the organic set of treats, um, among those, there really wasn't anything that anybody could, with a straight face, deem indulgent. They were, um, uh, oh, the cookies were trying Cardboard. to be something else. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, made with palm oil and sugar and, um, and I mean, a lot of them are, are really fall more into the category of health food. And you know what I mean? Like those cookies that are made with uh, carob chips and spelt flour and things like that. And, and that's fine. There's a market for that. But I, I'm sorry. Has anybody actually derived any joy from one of those cookies? I doubt it. And cookies should, I think, should always bring joy. I think that's their primary purpose. Um, so I set out to create a line of cookies and a company that would ultimately go on to make other kinds of treats as well, uh, that were uh, staunchly committed to our organic certification, but equally committed to being delicious and indulgent and um, making food that would never taste like uh, an organic consolation prize, if you will. (laughs) Where are you, Jacqueline? So we're based in Western Canada. We're in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, west oh, of Calgary. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really some of your good. listeners are, you may be familiar with the Banff, is a, oh, Banff yes, and Lake yes. Louise are popular sort of tourist areas here. So I'm kind of between Calgary and those places. All right. Mm-hmm. Oh, it must be cold there too, huh? We have actually been spoiled this winter, but this week we're, is payback. It's extremely cold. We're having yeah, an Arctic too. cold snap. Yeah, it's not fun. Yeah, I guess we got that too. <laughs> but it's well, pretty. No, but, you know, uh, so you, you love cookies and you've always been baking, but whatever led you to think you could actually do this as a business? I mean, <laughs> it's a really crowded field. I mean, <laughs> competition it is, is very high. It is. Um, yep, there are there are certainly other cookie lines out there. I think what distinguishes Real Treat from the competition are a couple of things. Um, one, we are one of very, very few cookie brands in the world that are making organic cookies using butter. I think we're only one of two that are available in the U.S. right now, and we are the only one in Canada. I think the U.K., um, which is uh, firmly biscuit land. They make yeah. more there. And they <laughs> you, also, you know, Peter's they accent, right? Yeah, you know yeah. Peter's accent. <laughs> well, before, we came on, before we came on the air, I, was, I mentioned Mr. Walker of Walker yes. Shortbread. And his, his cookies do have just a little butter in them. <laughs> <laughs> just a little. I think our cookies could arm wrestle with their cookies for butter content, but yes, absolutely. Good, good. Well, um, yeah, so I think that's part of it. I think also with our top shelf line, um, which are the the really gourmet flavors, we are making cookie flavors there that no one else makes. So yeah, tell us for- about your two lines because I, I I explained to Peter as he was gobbling them indiscriminately <laughs> that there were two different things. <laughs> tell us about your two lines. Yes, yeah, so our our top shelf line is the line of cookies that I launched the company with. It is. Um, Certainly my creative expression in cookies. So these are flavors that are geared to a more grown-up palate. So there you'll find flavors like uh, lemon sablés with herbe de Provence, so lemon, lavender, thyme, rosemary. They're, they're certainly sweet enough that you know they're a cookie, but they're savory enough to pair really well with wine and cheese. Yeah, and I like that fennel one, the one with the fennel in it. Thank you, yes. The salted caramel with fennel. If push came to shove, I'd have to admit is my favorite as well. That's what I had um, five of at one sitting. <laughs> well, that's quite an endorsement. Thank you, Anne. I'm so glad you enjoyed them. Um, and then we also have a cookie that we almost called The Dude because it seems to be a favorite of men. Um, and it's a dark chocolate chunk with smoked pecans. We smoke the nuts in-house with applewood. 
Why and it happens to be. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I, we can certainly send you some. And if you happen to enjoy scotch, you'll find that they're a perfect pairing with a oh, really? single malt. Oh, really? We love scotch. Yes. Is, we, we single malt, especially. It's a yeah. four-cent combination down our throat, I think. <laughs> we'll be there sure to send some your way then. There was a short time when, when Anne was into Effie's, Effie's homemade, wasn't it? Oh, that, they're good, yeah. Do you know Happy Sunday? They were oatmeal cookies. Yes. Yeah. You probably yeah, know them. Yeah, they are huh? good. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know the competition. Huh? Well, I yes, I do. I've been participating in the fancy food show for a couple of years now, so we all get kind of get to know one another um, at venues like that. Yeah. Have you ever crossed paths with Mary from Mary's Gone Crackers? No. Oh, she's Not that's a good no. product too. She's, She's yes, someone, it is. I know the brand, but no, I haven't met Mary. Oh, okay. But, but she, she's wonderful. She made, she's... she made the big move, and, and somebody somebody bought her out. But she, yeah. She, she, she still works. Well, good for her. There. She's still working there, but she doesn't own the company anymore. Yeah, I mean, she does have a good deal because she's still in control of the uh, the the quality and and the content mm-hmm. and so on, yeah, and wh- which is on, good. I mean, I, I mean, a lot of times you've seen what happens in the chocolate industry; they lose control yeah. altogether. Now, when 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 Mary's Gone Crackers goes on sale at Whole Foods, I buy three boxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're good. They're very popular up here as well. It's a good right. product. You have um, is are you near those people that make that rainforest cracker? Yeah. Rainforest cracker, yes, Leslie. So I actually mm-hmm. used to live around the block from her very first kitchen that was teeny tiny. I thought you might be in Vancouver. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that's well, a great we, product. We She's another story of the brand that's been bought out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But we I yeah. was just saying we started up and we we got in touch with them when and interviewed them when they were first starting out and, mm-hmm. and now they've grown so huge that we can't get near them you know and they're yeah, bought out they're everywhere yeah. yes so they're very popular here as well now you've got the yeah. other, now the other the other line is aimed most mostly for younger persons well so our real treat pantry line i think is what you're referring to and those right, are the right. cookies that um, we, got, we call them our comfort food cookies. These are the flavors that are, um, they're more nostalgic. They're the cookies that we all grew up eating as kids, but uh-huh. also uh-huh. still crave as adults that bring us comfort. Um, chocolate chunk cookies, oatmeal raisin. My grandmother's brown sugar shortbread is included there as well. And we have uh, a gluten-free offering in that line as well, dark chocolate almond. That's quite popular. That, that's hard to do, the whole gluten-free stuff, I think, with baked goods, isn't it? It is. Um, it, and that's that why you, we end up with time. cardboard tasting things. Yeah. Well, I said I wasn't going to make a gluten-free cookie in, unless I could make one that was as delicious as everything else we make. And mm-hmm. uh, so that took some time, but we've succeeded. Uh, our dark chocolate almond cookie that happens to be gluten-free but is really purchased by people like me who like extra gluten in their food. Um, oh, you like gluten? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, we're a big fan of the gluten around here. But no, those are good. We also make another gluten-free cookie at Christmas time. It's a limited edition one that's a, a nut-based almond ground pecans as well and spiced with aromatics. It's really quite popular, yeah. too. We didn't get any of those. Did you eat those, Rabbit? No, I didn't eat those. No, because it's it's seasonal, that line. So um, next year. I challenged myself to open the boxes without tearing them, without tearing (laughs) the cardboard. I mean, it's a beautiful beautiful design, but sure is the devil to get open. Oh, is that? I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, Well, by the sounds of it, you found your way in. I didn't want to. Yes. Yeah, I didn't want to destroy the, the box. It's such an elegant box. Thank you. Peter is somebody who, who snacks late at night, you know, mm-hmm. so and I come down in the morning into the kitchen and I find all these candy wrappers and all this empty cookie box. And cookie crumbs, too. Right? <laughs> and cookie crumbs. cookie crumbs, crumbs yeah. in there this weekend, I guess. <laughs> That's but great. that's he says he's had something in his stomach when he takes his before bed medicine. So I don't know. That's, that's what it is. 
it's certainly <laughs> not surprising. Um, you, you mentioned other uh, products in your line. You have drinking mm-hmm. chocolate. Yes, so we're just uh, kind of at a soft launch stage with our drinking chocolate. As um, we've just we've just launched it, just to to uh, to start playing with the market with that one. Well, the final packaging is still in development, is the truth, and that's been delayed thanks to the good old pandemic. So once we ha- are able to procure the final set of packaging, then we will um, then we will do a hard launch and get it widely available through the market. But yes, we have two two flavors of the drinking chocolate. So we have one that is aromatic and another that is ancho chili. That's so a little bit spicy. Oh, that's what interesting. Yeah, it's super yummy. And really what's different, I'm often asked what's, you know, why, why we call it drinking chocolate as opposed to cocoa or hot chocolate. And the difference really is that a drinking chocolate is, um, is much richer, darker, thicker than a typical cocoa. This is not a product that you would um, mix up with some boiling water. <laughs> this is something that I you say. Yeah. This is close to what Montezuma would have consumed sure, to exactly. um, bolster his That's, masculinity. Right. Yeah, um, that is the inspiration for our drinking chocolate line, exactly. It's really made with dark really? chocolate. We don't add any sugar to it and spices. It's, yeah. But what's the liquid? Well, that sounds great. Jacqueline, what, what's, what's the liquid? I mean, if you don't, if you don't make your know, drinking chocolate with water, boiling water, how do you, how do you infuse it? My favorite uh, liquid to make it with is whole milk. Okay. But you oh, can yeah. all, it's also delicious for people who are avoiding dairy. It's just as yummy with almond milk or oat milk or cashew milk. It's yeah, that's really big now, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well... Yeah, that lactose. Yeah, people have all that, all those things, lactose intolerance and all that stuff. You faded away, though. The what? I said you faded away. I don't know what you said. (laughs) You're not hearing very well either. No, I'm not hearing very well either. (laughs) Um, Well, we have one more thing to find out since we've been raving about these cookies: is how do our (laughs) listeners lay hands on them? Say that one more time. I'm sorry, Anne. Cut out for a second. We're having a, a bit of weather here. Sorry, go ahead. Say that again. How do our listeners manage to acquire your ah. cookies? Yes, thank you so much for asking. So our website is realtreat.ca, and we ship uh, orders from our website all over the world. We also oh, wow. have retailers scattered around the U.S., uh, many of them in California. For any of your listeners in the LA area, they can purchase our cookies at Erwan and Oliver's and Napa and a few other independents as well. There's a list of retailers available on our website, so you can just go in there and type in your zip code and it'll help direct you to a retailer near you. And if you don't have uh, anybody close by, then by all means, order on our website and we're happy to send some to you. And that's, oh, that's wonderful. Real treat, one word, dot ca. For uh-huh. Well, yeah. Jacqueline, I'm I'm very happy that we've met you, and um, I wish you. you continued success. Thank and you maybe so much. Just, pleasure. Yeah, maybe we can get all these other things uh, off the the design stage if we just get out of this COVID business, right? Yes, yes. Looking forward to the light at the end of the tunnel. And here, the great, the great <laughs> Canadian Wayne Gretzky is, has a find. A hundred percent of the shots I take don't score. I don't know what you're you missed that mean. Are you very fake, Peter? You ought to be into hockey. Yes. Okay. Yes, Thanks, we are into Jacqueline. hockey here. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, dear. Bye, bye. Thank you so much. Stay well. Bye. You too. Well, that's it for today. Uh, we should have had champagne and chocolates though too. Well, we you can't you can't fit everything into yeah, a one-hour program. Anyhow, um, until next week. Same time, same place, and until then. Bye bye.